0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the loss to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Now I want you to wait, Claude. Come in. This is Claude and this is his son awesome you. okay Giovanni and you know what they're doing together up here this morning well they're taking up the offering no this father is teaching his son how to serve let me tell you something this is no little thing happening here because what you see happening here is a demonstration of the kingdom of God this is how God changes nations this is how God intended to build Israel. Fathers, teach your sons to serve me. Well, you are just taking up the offering. No, 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 no. Fathers, teach your sons to serve me. And if you'll do it here, you'll do it at home. If you'll do it at home, you'll do it everywhere else you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For teaching your sons how to serve. Thank you. Thank you for serving and following your father, son. Giovanni, thank you for for following your father. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Well, how are we mocking God? You're claiming God's name his blessings, his benefits. You're claiming everything of the kingdom of God, but not living it. God will not be mocked. How many of you think the Apostle Paul was a fornicator? On the side? You think he not a fornicated a little bit on the side? Just a little. Anybody here? No? How many of you think Peter might have been, had a little adultery on the side? Just a little bit. I could pick some other things that Peter might may possibly have compromised in being in. How many of you think Peter might have had a little compromise here and there? No? I mean, I mean, really, think about it. You think Peter walks down and he's so filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God operating in his life that as he walked down the street, his shadows, people were getting healed in his shadow. I mean, but you know, he was a little adultery on the side. Huh? Well, if not, then, then then there's a principle there that obviously we are not comprehending in the body of Christ, and that is that the fullness of the power of God does not operate; it will not operate in a vessel of disobedience. Am I right, Dad? Am I just preaching, Dad? Am I preaching a message that's just this old school that just don't we don't even need today? Because I go back and listen to some tapes of my dad's from the the early 80's and late 70's and he's preaching the same gospel. And you know where I learned this gospel? I learned this gospel from my father. Who said, son, whatever you do, don't compromise the integrity of the gospel. If you're not going to walk with God, then don't walk with God. But if you're going to walk with God, don't compromise the integrity of the gospel. Because God will not be mocked. The Bible tells me that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. Looking for whom he might show himself mighty in. Is that you? Is that you or are you playing games? Open your Bibles with me. Psalms chapter 90 verse 12. So, teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number. You know what that means? That's God reminding you that you got just enough time in this life to figure out who He is, to know Him. You know what God's telling you? You got just enough time to figure out your destiny. And fulfill what God's called you to do. Because God ain't going to give you eternal days. To sit down here and do your thing. And then then ask God to give you extra days. So that you can do his thing after you're done doing your thing. It doesn't work that way. See I want to walk in the power of God every day, everywhere. Every Every day, everywhere. So what that means to me is not only I have to diligently seek him every day, I also have to walk in obedience every day. I got to shun those things that are of disobedience to God. Are you hearing me? I got to shun the, I got to recognize and discern and and shun those things that are disobedience to God in my life. So the other day, Friday, was it Friday Angie, we were at Home Depot and Tori and Angie, they were out shopping somewhere else in Home Depot. And I went to get lumber and stuff for our mission for the Caring Hearts. For what we're going to build. And I got my little orange cart and I'm rolling up and down there. And I got my mask on that says, never give up. <laughs> and I walk by this couple and they're standing there in the aisle. And they're trying to figure out something. You know, lumber, materials, something. It's a, a young young black couple. And 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 they're standing there and and... And I walked by and I said, he said, hey, how you doing, sir? And I said, man, I'm doing better than I deserve. He said, amen to that. And I said, yeah, you know what? You got to keep praising Jesus in spite of all that's going on. You got to keep praising. You got to keep lifting high the name of Jesus in spite of it all. And they said, woo, amen to that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I I got further down the aisle and I turned around. I looked down the aisle and I was about as far as from here to Greg. And I said, I mean, the spirit of the Lord come upon me and I said, you sing, you are called to sing and worship the Lord and lead others in worship." I said, you got a call in your life to sing. He said, yes, sir, I do. I sir. And boy, his wife went to stomping and shouting. And I said, but you're called to preach the gospel. You got an assignment on your life. I said, answer the call, son, answer the call. And his wife, I mean, they both were stomping. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. They were shouting right there. And they were at the intersection, you know, the big aisle and the aisle, and they, they were shouting. They were having church. And I thought, well, that's the end of it. I went on, I go around, I get my lumber, and I come back. And they're still standing there. And they, I looked, and, and they're holding hands. And, they, and, they call Shamil, and they're praying. And I said, oh my God. I see y'all praying? They said, Yes, sir. We, we, we you know, we, they season the moment, Amen. and I said, "Well, then let me get in there with you." And I jumped in, and we're right there in the center aisle where the aisles intersect, and we're praying loud. <laughs> and all of a sudden. I hear them and they start shut up and they're praying and I pray in tongues, and we all praying in tongues loud. And and out of like the corner of my eye, I see employees coming around. Ooh, what's going on here? Oh, what's going on? I mean, it's funny you can never find a, a, a an employee at Home Depot, but you start having church, they all start showing up, you know. And we are praying, and all of a sudden I start prophesying to them. And they start shouting and dancing. I mean, they're going around. They're having a, I mean, we had church at Home Depot. We had church in Home Depot. And I began to just... And, and then I, I began to step away. And I just started preaching. And I said to them, You know, the devil is a fool. I said, you... You never know when or where you encounter a move of God when you live in the ready for it. I said, Satan, I said to him, I said, Satan, you know, is a fool. He'll tear down his own kingdom. He'll burn down and tear down. He's a fool. The devil, he's a fool. He'll burn down, tear down his own kingdom. Trying to build it. But we're living in times of great opportunity. See, you where you see might see chaos. I see the kingdom at hand. <laughs> we're living in times of great opportunity to build the kingdom of God while the enemy's tearing his down. Amen. In these days, I want to remind you of something. Be careful whose agenda and narrative you buy into. For you might just be selling your soul. Let me say that again. Be careful whose narrative and agenda you buy into. You might be selling your soul. You know in John fourteen fifteen, Jesus utters these words. He says if you love me. You will keep my commandments. In John 15, 10, I'm just going to throw several scriptures at you. I want to build, build a, a concept here. In John 15, 10, he says it this way. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, the scripture says it this way My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Are you seeing a pattern here? Are, are you seeing something? Let's go a little further. In Leviticus 22 31, God put it in these words So you shall keep my commandments and do them, for I am the Lord. And in Exodus 16 28, God asked this question of Israel. How long? And he asked it of us today. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? How long? Jesus narrows it down for us in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And I could go on and on. There's so many more scriptures that follow the same command. And Jesus in Luke chapter 10, 27 is actually quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, you know Jesus didn't run around quoting 2 Peter or 3 John? He didn't carry a New Testament with a fish on it. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 3 through 6. So let me ask you this. If this subject and matter was this important to God, because i got other scriptures. i got some written here in my margin of my Bible. Deuteronomy 4, 29. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Deuteronomy 11, 13. 13, 13. Matthew 22, 37. Mark 12, 30. Luke 10, 27. There are all kinds of scriptures that all come back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll point right back here to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if if what God tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is so important, maybe I need to understand it. Maybe we're missing something in our families. If it's that important to God in Christ and it impacts my relationship with Him and the future of my soul and my children then we need to understand it. It's one thing to interpret and it's another thing to understand it. See, interpretation is to discover the intent, but understanding is discovering how that intent is to be applied to the whole of Scripture and our daily lives. So let's break it down. I'm going to break it down and, and and I know this, I'm going to try to make this is where it's not painful. Like, well, Why you got to do that Hebrew stuff? Because I want to understand it. I want to go deeper. I want to go a little deeper. It's not about reading all Hebrew, it's about understanding. So, throw that second slide up there, we're going to break it down. It reads, "Vashemah Ata Israel; Vashemarta La laasot, Ashir yetav lecha; v'ashir terbum miod, ka'ashir debar Adonai Elochei Avotecha lecha eretz zavat chalav vudvash. Obey Israel." Willingly and faithfully that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your fathers, spoke to you. So often we hear the phrase a land flowing with milk and honey and we think that's a wonderful thing. Amen? How many of you have interpreted that? I mean, have been taught that they, oh, they lived in a land flowing with milk and honey. It just was, it just had beautiful, it was giant grapes and, you know, big, giant uh, zucchini. And I, I don't know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> Kathy grew zucchini in our garden out there. Man, that sucker that long, about that bigger, about 10 inches in diameter and 12 inches long. Man, it was a huge zucchini. But you know what I've been told? When you let them grow too big, they don't taste good. So it ain't all that, is it? What's this? Often we hear the phrase, the land flowing with milk and honey. The word land is eretz. Flowing with is the word zavat. milk halav, and honey devosh. We've been taught that it was a wonderful positive tease or a bribe from God for Israel to obey his ways. When they get into the lush and the prosperous land. See the way we've interpreted it. God was teasing them. Listen. If if you obey me. I'm going to give you this lush beautiful garden. All the prosperity and all the provision you could ever want. If you'll just obey me. But see that's not exactly the context in which God was speaking it. It's too bad that that was not the case in reality. How often... We are so easily deceived by the idea idea that if only God would prosper us and our children. if If God would just meet all my needs, then we would have no trouble walking in His ways. In all the areas of our lives for generations to come. But let's look over at Deuteronomy 31.20. And God puts this flowing with milk and honey in context. Let's look at how God viewed it. Because God's using the term milk and honey as an idiomatic hyperbole in context of his call for obedience. He says this. For when I have brought them into the land... What does it say? Flowing with milk and honey. Right? Because that's a positive thing, right? I mean, we may not understand all the Hebrew context, but the land flowing with milk and honey means it's prosperous, it's wonderful, it's, I mean, right? It's rich. But look what God says. For when I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey... Which I swore to give to their fathers. And they have eaten and are full and grown fat. They will turn to other gods. And serve them. And they'll despise me. And break my covenant. So in fact the word used for flowing. Is the word zavat, Which in context. Are you ready? This is why it's important to understand And dig a little deeper. The word savat, in context is used as a reference to that which is unclean. Flowing or gushing from an animal. So what God is saying is when they go into a land that's flowing with unclean things. What was the land of Canaan really flowing with? Oh, it had giant grapes and everything we saw when Joshua and them spied out the land of Canaan. It was, you know. But what was God looking at? See, they were looking at the giant grapes. But God was looking at the idolatry. They were looking at the flowing honey. God was looking at their adultery. That's what God saw in the land. And God said, that's that's going to become idols to them. It's going to draw them away and they'll despise me. You see, milk and honey were not a reference to a nation's birthday present, but a warning of a potential growing discontentment and slothfulness in their love for God. It was a warning of Israel falling prey to the same deception that Adam and Eve, what kind of place did Adam and Eve live in? A place with lush gardens with all the provisions and everything they could ever want was right there in the garden. And what was it that caused them to turn from God? See, it was a warning of Israel falling prey to the same deception that Adam and Eve fell to. It was a warning against disobedience, that springs from a position of abundance. Disobedience that springs from a position of abundance. Next, looks at the next slide, verse, verse four. He says, "Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad." Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Or the word alone. Echad. See the command is a call for obedience. Of not just individuals among the people. But from the people as a whole. This is why Moses declares that the Lord is our God he's not just woody's God Alicia's God he's our God right the Lord is Zagar. the word Shema means to do that which has been instructed it's not a reference to audible recognition but complete obedience the command the Lord alone is a command against idolatry when he says the Lord is Is one. He is your God. And he's your God alone. It's a command. Against idolatry. And adultery within the land. It's provisions and prosperity. Lest you begin to live. As they lived and worship. Their gods. And what did Israel do? Remember God told Joshua and them. Go into all the land. And and wipe out all the Canaanites. Canaanites. What was God's motive? Is God just trying to wipe out a race of people? No. It was the idolatry and the adultery because they were born of incestuous seed. And they worshiped all these idols and they had all they were throwing their, their sacrifices and their children to these pagan gods and everything else. And God said, Wipe them out lest you learn their ways, and their ways become your ways. That's what he's worried about. And what happened? We find David fighting a giant, Goliath, who's a Philistine from the land of Canaan. How did this Philistine come to be from the land of Canaan? Because Israel did not obey God. And in fact, they did just the opposite. They not only took the Philistines, they went in and they took the people of Canaan as slaves for themselves. Because they had been slaves. Think about Israel's mentality. Well, we were slaves and now our God, he's turning the tide and it's our turn. And so we're going to go in and we're going to capture, you know, God's going to give us the land of Canaan and we're going to take them and make them our slaves. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. That ain't the way this works. And to this day, Israel is still reaping the consequences. What's it all come down to? Obedience. See, it's one thing to learn to hear the voice of God, to recognize it, distinguish the voice of God from everything else and all the other voices in this culture. And some of them even claim to be of God and of other gods. I mean, it's amazing to me that in in this day and age, in the 20th, 2020, that people blatantly now are proclaiming their pagan gods openly. And the perversion and everything else that goes with it. Note that in the text, the an now I'll put that slide back up there and just leave it. Not that one. That one. Notice, see, I've got over here on the right, because Hebrew reads from right to left, the ayin, see that in yellow here, and then the dalet at the end. All right, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is our God, the Lord one. The ayin and the dalet in the original Mosaic text are enlarged. And they're enlarged for a reason, because God is trying to reveal something to us, because the en and the dalit, The end of Shema, obey. And Dalit echad. Obey, one. Oneness, the only one. They're both enlarged. And this is an idiom that is pointing us to the drash or the hermeneutical connection to something God is trying to get across to us. Together, the Ayan and the dalit formed the word Ad, which means in Hebrew, a witness. A witness. Hero O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one God alone. A witness. A witness. So the question begs a witness to what? The commands of God and how Israel was to, were to live were to be a witness or a testimony to the oneness of the God of Israel. The oneness of God speaks of His unified strength and awesome majesty. His omniscience and omnipotence and every attribute. This is what the Pharisees express disdain about with Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. When he spoke of being one with the Father in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are Echad. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am a witness, a testimony to the oneness of the Father. Why does he need to be a testimony and a witness of the oneness of the Father? So that you might know his great Love. Jesus is speaking of those who obey the commands of God, are one with Him, and He is one with the Father. He said it another way in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides, whoever is a cod, whoever is one with me, right? Whoever abides in me, and I and him, were one he it is that bears much fruit. What? He becomes a testimony, a witness. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of God, speaks of obedience to the way of the Lord and to follow the Christ. That's why it's not enough just to claim to be a Christian. You've got to follow the Christ. Well, I'm a good old Christian. My name's on the roll down there at and such Church. And I show up every now and then. Preacher still knows who I am. All right. And when I do show up, I slap a $10 bill on the offer plate. Lord knows who I am. Oh, yeah, He does. <laughs> and that should scare you, that should concern you. Because you're not a god, you're not one with Him. You're not a witness. Your life does not witness and testify that you are one. You're not fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 6 with your name on the roll and a little fish on your car. (laughs) You're not fulfilling Deuteronomy 6 because you drop your kids off at Sunday school and vacation Bible school every now and then. You occasionally teach your kids to pray over the chicken. You're not fulfilling Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's look at verse 5 and 6 in this context. And hopefully gain a better understanding of what God expects of us during these darkening days. Throw that next slide up there. Next one. Oh, that is verse 5. Thank you. Verse 5. Va'artha at Adonai Elohecha, Bechola Vavcha, Uvkal Nefeshka, Uvkal me'odacha. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your might. Jesus used this very same words. But in all of these. With all your heart, your soul and with all your might. There is one distinct command in this verse. That command is to love. Love what? Love who? Adonai. The Lord our God. Your God. This is possessive. Not on your part, but on God's. God's pointing out that you belong to him not only because of the price he paid for you or the fact that he created you and gives you life. But you belong to him because you chose to be his by a vow of monogamous and eternal love. He made a vow. Then God follows, you know, the word jealousy when it says our God is a jealous God. You know what that means? It means he is jealous for two things. He's jealous for his glory. His glory he will not share with another. Second, he's jealous for that which is rightfully his by covenant. And that's you. Then God God follows this command with three distinctives. That I believe so many Christians have glossed over with euphoric understanding. It's evident in how the modern church has redefined morality. We've allowed cultural compromise. The church sways between multiple moral opinions and fails to apply God's wisdom in all areas of their lives. So many Christians apply God's wisdom when it's to their benefit. Otherwise, they do not even consider God's ways in their life choices. And failure to understand God in these three distinctives results in nothing short of disobedience. I said, failure to understand God in these three distinctives results in disobedience, even if it is half obedience to the will and the ways of the Lord. So as a result, let me give you some practical examples. I get people come to me saying, Pastor, I just don't understand how I got in this mess I'm in. And I want to say, seriously? 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 Let's take an assessment of your choices and the life you've been living and see where, and see if we can see God in it. See if we see the obedience of the way of the Lord in your life. And then, and then, once we've taken that inventory of your obedience in light of Deuteronomy chapter 6, then explain to me why you still are perplexed in the mess you're in. So what's this fruit of your what does the fruit of your life need to look like in Christ making the making making the fellowship with him and the body of Christ a high priority that's. Fellowship with Christ and the body has got to be high priority. Continually and diligently seeking your increased understanding of the Word of God. It's got to be a part of your life. Stewardship of your time, your finances, spiritual maturity and relational development. It's got to be in line with the Word of God. Surrendering your social life, your romantic life, your family and other relationships to the instruction of the Word of God. It's the only way. No fellowship with darkness. I said no fellowship with darkness. What fellowship does the light have with darkness? Don't flirt with wickedness. Don't flirt with evil. Don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt with darkness. Don't hang out with it. Don't taint it. I mean, don't flirt with impropriety. Often impropriety leads to sin. And sin leads, it's just disobedience. Surrendering your social life. All of this. How about this? Contentment and patience. Consistent and pur- purposeful. Intimate time with the Lord. It's got to be a part of your life. Just to name a few. I've just I just named a few. If you are doing at least these things. Then come ask me how and why is God doing this to you. And how you got, got where you are. How about this one? Why are my kids a mess? Well, if, if you filter the content going in their heads and hearts, that'd be a start. That'd be a good start. Just pay attention to what you're letting them watch and listen to. pay attention to what you're letting come out of their mouth and pay attention you're letting them hang who you're hanging out, who they're hanging out with and what they're hearing. Be on top of that. Try to stay on top of that. That'd be a good place to start. Then you might even get them, teach them to serve. That'd be a good place to start. If you would diligently invest the word of God into them through solid relational impartation rather than being more concerned with how much fun they had at church. Did you have fun at church, little Johnny? No, it was boring. Oh, we won't go back to that church. Oh, uh, you're gonna raise a little devil. What y'all doing? Just 'cause y'all have fun, 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 or send your kid to hell? Fun? Fun. What are you talking about? Fun? Y'all say play some games and eat some pizza, youth group? Did y'all have fun? Hmm. Is it fun fornicating in the back seat of the car? Mom and dad bought you. Is it fun? I'd be saying the same thing. Right? I don't understand. I don't understand. All right, Marvin, get off the soapbox. Move on. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Help us, Lord. are blind. If you'll let them see, come on. So much. Let them see how you're living God. Impart the word relationally. I'm not talking about religiously. Come on. Some people try to impart the word of God religiously. Don't impart it religiously. You'll just turn them against it. Part, impart it relationally. Solid relational, con, you know. But no, here's what we're focused on. Having fun at church, at school, at football field, rodeo, soccer, having fun at the lake. Teach them to work, pray, be selfless, patience, respectful, giving, kind, self-controlled. If you'll teach them to tithe and the importance of putting their treasure where God dwells. If you'll let them see you serving the Lord as the highest priority. If you'll teach them the moral standards of righteousness without compromise to the integrity of God's way. If you will teach them to pray and be grateful to God for all things. If you'll teach them the importance of guarding their hearts and their minds. If you'll teach them how to study and understand the Word of God. If you will demonstrate for them the benevolent love of the Lord to others, if you'll guard them from gossip, talebearing, moaning, complaining about the church, God, your spouse, your ex-spouse, and everything else we tend to be discontent about. If you'll teach them to guard their words, for out of the abundance of their hearts their mouths speak. And they may just speak what you put in their hearts. If you'll do at least these things, then you may just raise them in the way of the Lord by imparting these three distinctives in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You will have raised them with a biblical worldview. Know that last slide, Joshua. All their hearts. All their hearts. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, By and Lavav ha the root word here is not just love but lavav meaning not the physical organ but the most inner man your entire inner being your thoughts your emotions your pains your discouragements your sorrows your fears your joys what's he referring to he's talking about the neshama of your soul Your will, your choices, your character, your integrity, your moral conscience. Things that your daddy should have taught you that you didn't learn. And you have to learn it from punks on the street. Because if you don't teach it to them fathers, they'll learn it some punk on the street. And they won't learn this. They'll learn something else. He's talking to... Moms and dads in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Are you pleasing God? Listen. He's talking about your moral conscience. Are you pleasing God with all these in your innermost being? Do you worship and commune with Him in the depth of your innermost being? All your heart. All your love. Innermost being. It's got to be, that's what salvation, salvation's just the beginning. Salvation's just where you say, Lord, I understand that my innermost being is is, is lost. It's, it's, it's in sin, it's in darkness, my innermost being. Not just the dirt, the evil deeds I've done, not just my sinful, my outward things, but the, God wants to deal with the sin on the inside. The iniquity, you know what iniquity is? It's the seed you gained from your father's. Of their sin and rebellion and disobedience to God, that's passed from generation to generation. God came to deal with you. Jesus came to deal with your iniquity, the inclination, the propensity to rebel and disobey and sin against God. But you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is hopefully a new seed that a father passes on to his son to walk and upright before God, to live holy. In righteousness, and ticker, I'm not just talking morality, I'm talking righteousness. See, I don't want to just teach my children what's moral and immoral, because God knows, look at today, we've totally redefined morality. Now, we don't even know what it is. We don't even know what morality means. It has no definition. But righteousness is defined by God and God alone. Right standing before the Lord. Next, all your souls. Uchal nefeshka. The root word for soul used here is nefesh, meaning the realm of of the physical being, meaning to love God with all that you do. Your actions, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your tongue, your words, your speech, your deeds, your eyes, your ears. It refers to your entire way of living, your appetite, your desires, all your appetites, your desires, your passions, your habits, your likes, your dislikes, your wants, your dreams, your wishes, your contentment, your entire self. He's talking about in the first one, your neshama. Now he's talking about your nephesh, loving with all the fruit that comes out of your life. It refers to your very breath. Are you loving God with all these? Do your words and your actions speak and demonstrate your obedient love for the Lord in these, attribute, in these attributes of, of who you are? And last, all your strength. This is the last one. All your strengths. Uvkal maodaka. The root word used here that we interpret as strength or might is actually what's this? It is the word miod, meaning muchness. It has nothing to do with stamina or stature. Instead, it is defined as abundant or an exceeding force. It means to love God as often as in in every moment. It means to love God very, very, very much. To identify or more than anything else, to identify with Him and, and His love more than anything else, even your own existence. It means to love God with every ounce of your existence. It means that there's not a single fragment of your existence of every moment of every space and time that you have not surrendered to him in an exhaustive and diligent love. It means to love him to the greatest degree that you can possibly offer. That comes to a place of a choice. Is this not how God chose to love you and I? This is the love that will transform. This is the love that will keep you in the goodness of God in these days. When so many are being deceived and their faith becoming shipwrecked. So this is my admonishment to you, dear bride of Christ you will stand with me to of you'll come this is my admonishment to you see I have found my sovereign assignment I have found him whom my soul doth love I have found my sovereign assignment it is to prepare the bride of Christ Amen. you want to find your sovereign assignment dig down there in Deuteronomy chapter 6 you'll find it because that's where Jesus found Peter found it Shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength. All thy oneness, all thy muchness. This is my admonishment to to you, dear bride of Christ. Take to heart these instructions. This comes from Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. Joshua, will you put it up there? Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. Take to heart these instructions which I charge you this day press them upon your children recite them when you stay at home and when you are away when you lie down and when you get up bind them as a sign on your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead Woody and Greg and Buster and I were talking about the phylactery and the wrapping and how the Jews do the the arm wrap and the the little phylactery on their forehead and you do that in in light of Deuteronomy chapter 6 but you can wear a black box on your head and wrap your arm every day you can do all kinds of rituals but if that heart doesn't change this is what he said bind them what? bind the words of God As a sign on your hand. What's he talking about? A sign on your hand. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy soul. With all that you do. And all that you are. Upon your head. What does he mean? Bind it as a sign upon your forehead. With your every thought. With your neshama. Love the Lord with all thy neshama. All your, your innermost being. Your every thought. Every word. Every every emotion every intention every motive every kavana and then recite it do it to your children teach them to, to do the same inscribe them on the doorpost of your house in other words make it a priority in your home more than netflix if your children are not getting more of god in your home than netflix and disney something's wrong Folks, if we will diligently do these things, we will save our nation. We will save our children and our children's children. God does not desire good intentions. But God wants nothing less than all. Nothing less than all. Amen. Who wants to give him all? Well, how do I raise my children? They didn't come with an instruction manual. Deuteronomy chapter six. It's even, it, it, listen, how many of you ever got something and it was made in China and it came with, instru- you got it on, on Amazon, <laughs> came from China. Now it takes six months to get it from China. And you open it up and it came with this little bitty thing of instructions. A little bitty thing of instructions. And you're like, that's all the instruction I get. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Start there. It's all the instruction you need. You'll start there. You want to save your marriage? You want to enrich your marriage? You want to strengthen your marriage? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Start there. I just broke it down for you. But you got to give him all. You got to give him all. Bow your heads with me. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we want to give you all. Tell him this morning, Lord, I, I want to give you all. As a father, I want to give you all. As a husband, I want to give you all. As a young man, I want to give you all. Come on, if you're here this morning, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I didn't have a father who taught me Deuteronomy chapter 6 the ways of the Lord. But I want to know the Father. I want to know the Son. I want to to give God all from this day forward. Come on, that's you. Come to this altar. Come let me and Pastor Woody pray with you. Welcome you into the family. Come over here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I want to give Him all as a father, as a mother. I want to follow Him with all that I have within me unless you just raise your hands to the lord this morning say lord i want to give you all as a father as a mother as a child i don't care if you're a child in here today i don't care how old you are how young you are the bible says joshua took all of israel all the way down to the youngest child and those who were even among them who were not israelite and he read them the law of the lord all of them lord this morning just tell him this morning lord Lord, I, I got a new understanding of Deuteronomy chapter six. Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to change directions. I want to, I want to, I want to redo God. I want to, I want to just start anew in my home and in my family. And I don't care this morning. I don't care how old your children. I don't care if your children are in their twenties and thirties and forties and they're not walking with God. It's still not too late to start working the principles of Deuteronomy chapter six. God can change their hearts. God can do it. And just tell the Lord this morning, say, Lord, I give them to you. I give them to you. I give them to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Will God bless you this morning?